Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 104, 104. I'm going to have to figure out which one to say from now on, if I'm going to go like just numbers or like pronunciation of the number. You know, probably uh, nobody listening to this is actually interested in that decision, so I'll just move on. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? You could always say episode 104. There's another variation. Think Mm. about it. Yeah. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome, Nick. Hey, uh, last week was episode 103, and we talked to you a little bit about your three-year retrospective at VMware. And this week, we're going to do a little bit of the same, but this time it's me grilling you about your three years at VMware. Yikes. And it's gonna be it's gonna be rough. It's, it's gonna, gonna be rough. rough. Okay. Now, am yeah. I answering in the form of a question or just straight up answer? No, this is this is not Jeopardy. Um, oh, okay. So I don't yeah. get money after. Nope. You also mm. do not get money. Right. That's too bad. Okay. Well, right. I'll I'll do my best. Okay. Let's get going. First of all, first softball question. Just a real easy one to to warm you up. Uh, what's made you stay for these three years at VMware? Well, I still love the company and what it does, the technology that it makes. I still appreciate the time when I was a customer and I used it. It was my first delve into something really new for me at the time, which was virtualization. Now, while that is not the only thing VMware does anymore, it's it's interesting to see that growth of the company since I started using it and just how large the portfolio has come. I think that there are a lot of career opportunities inside of this company that I just never knew existed before I joined. They weren't available to me when I was working as a customer because I didn't, probably because I didn't work for a big enough company. And I really enjoy what I do. I think it's dynamic. I think the people I work with appreciate what I do and, and are kind and willing to help. And I think the managers are encouraging and will help you get to wherever it is you want to go within VMware and beyond. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a, you know, all those things are are really positive aspects to any company if you can find it. So it sounds like you found a really good fit. I dig it, man. Nice. Um, I'm going to adjust, you know, some of the questions that I think that you observations that you made maybe about um, the job after one year and kind of ask you to comment on those first, if that's okay. Sure. So it's all hard hitting stuff, but the origin is you. So you're going to use my words against me. That's, that's always been my tactic. So yes. Yeah. I knew it was coming. All right. (laughs) Um, You talked about, uh, that adjustment from going into the office every day to a little bit more of a work from home environment. And, you know, I think we learned last week that, you know, 
before COVID, you had kind of, you know, swung back a little bit more towards, you know, meeting up in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth office that VMware maintains uh, fairly regularly. But what what has that adjustment been like for you and for your family? I think that, you know, with the travel, of course, my my daughter is a little younger. You know, she's 11 now, but she didn't really like it when I was gone for overnight trips for three or four days. And she appreciates the fact that I don't have to leave town as much. And I think that when my day has been full just in the Metroplex, I've just needed to make sure that I let my family know that, okay, tomorrow is an office day for me. I'm going to meet up with folks at the office. I'll probably be there all day. Just more of a communication thing. Mm-hmm. That way, if we were supposed to have dinner together or with someone else or had some kind of special family get together that pre-COVID, <laughs> that that I would be able to be there for it or at least make time in my schedule for it, assuming that it would allow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally understand. Like that increased uh, level of uh, communication is always necessary when there's no assumptions about what the structure is going to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, how about that daily routine? Because it's, it's not so routine anymore, right? No, it's not so routine. I mean, right now it's all work from home. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the routine kind of went from Full days, sometimes full days at home, sometimes part of the day at home, part of the day gone, sometimes half a week or a whole week in a different state, Mm -hmm. traveling back and forth, a full travel day. It went from that to sort of the same, except not that many days away from home. A lot of full days, not physically at home, but close by. So you're still playing catch up kind of as you would if you were traveling. Right. But if your next day isn't as busy, you might not have to work really late that night to catch up and can do it the next morning, depending on the nature of what needs to be addressed. Again, always depends on the urgency of of whatever is happening. So, and then obviously I would need to plan the time that I was going to go by the office for things or try to as much Mm -hmm. as possible. Mm -hmm. And now it's back to, okay, 100% at home, at least for the time being. So making sure that you try and plan as, as best you can. And, and I think we've, we've done well for the most part, still engaging our customers, supporting them as, as they've had their own challenges during the pandemic. Yeah, that makes total sense. How, have you um adjusted to like that like career strategy because i remember one of the things that you said at the one year check-in was that you were so focused on getting in to vmware that you lost sight of what happens next right so how has that changed have you i assume that over those three years you've made the adjustment Yeah, so I've had conversations with each of my managers to try and get feedback on what they think I should do. Kind of like the area of destiny where you get 
feedback on what are your unique strengths. You might have some things that you target that you believe they are, but I think it's that feedback from other people. And if, you know, five different people say that you have this one strength, then you probably have that strength. Mm -hmm. And in some ways it's, it's wherever you want to go, what interests you. Some of the advice I got was don't specialize too early become really good at what you do now and then take that knowledge that you gain into a specialty if that's what you want to be a little more technical because that's you know if you go and be a an se specialist for example that's a 400 plus level of detail in this product set and there are even specialists within the specialty right as we talked about before on our episode 26, I think the generalist specialist divide. And I've thought about maybe tech marketing. I really enjoy blogging, giving presentations, but I really like meeting with customers. So is that really the thing for me? And then there's the whole, I really enjoy mentoring other people and trying to share with them what I know and learning from others my wife seems to think that I'd be great at management. I'm not convinced. I don't mm. know that that's what I want. Mm-hmm. It seems like each of my managers see, thought that I could definitely get into leadership if I want with the proper training path and, and grooming. But I am not 100% sold on that's what my area of destiny is. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm riding the track of keep going on the generalist SE path. You know, I was fortunate enough to be promoted to that next level this year, the senior solution engineer. Mm-hmm. Oh, congratulations. Hopefully I can continue to climb the ranks and who knows, maybe I can get to the elite level of this particular type of role. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. So I think I'm I'm trying to go through that deliberate practice phase of the role itself and being really good at it, but also at the same time taking a step back and thinking about, okay, how can I broaden my, what I know about tech in general, as well as maybe get a little more specialized in different areas inside of the portfolio that interest me the most. Right. Right. You know, I won't say I have a, a perfect plan laid out, but it, it is something that I, I think a lot about, like maybe getting some certifications, like renewing a VCP. I think I talked about that before, but haven't done it. And maybe a, a certification in another area. We'll just have to see. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? Somebody on a career-focused podcast maybe doesn't have the clearest career plan. Well, I think it's, it feels like you have like the most like solid understanding of the philosophical basis of how you want to progress your career. Like, you know, the things that you want to focus on, the things that you feel good about and the things that you enjoy doing. Um, And so like the tactical next steps and like things to shoot for are maybe not as, um, as important since you have that clarity of like your philosophical backing. Um, where you you know any opportunity that comes up you can test it against your philosoph- philosophical basis and uh decide whether it's a good idea or not so i think maybe that is you know the concrete next step like it sounds like you're 
you know, progressing up the ladder of this role. And that is a solid, like short-term goal. Right. Um, so I don't know if that, I think I'm just disagreeing with your self critique. Got it. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me that you're a little standoffish, John. Now I, I will say that I want to be somewhat fluid in what could be next because there could be something that I sort of fall into that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. But for now, I think, as you said, keep the same framework and and just get better every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Has there been something within the job that you had to learn about the hard way? I will say that there have been a couple of times, you know, I mentioned the different personas that were somewhat new to me and how to have a conversation or a productive conversation that was valuable to one of these higher ranking folks in the technology organizations of my customers, mm-hmm. there've been a few times where I got really amped up and nervous about those conversations and I felt a lot of pressure and I don't know when or why it happened, but I, I decided I'm not going to be afraid anymore of failing or messing up because I'm going to mess up. Right. right. You're definitely mm-hmm. going to be bad at it. I can hear John White saying that. <laughs> so I'm sure that the first time I talked to a CIO, I was definitely bad at it. And I'm not right. saying I'm good at it now, but I think I do an okay job of building rapport with other people, whoever they are. And I'm going to, I'm going to do my best each day and if the the last conversation I had wasn't up to my standards, I'm going to try and do better tomorrow and maybe not be as hard on myself or put the pressure on myself like this is going to be the only chance I have to get this point across or the only chance I'm ever going to be able to talk to this person. I think, you know, defining success within something you can control lowering your expectations is actually better than raising them in Mm. some cases. Mm -hmm. So if, if the win is two things you want to get out of accomplishing in this meeting or what we're doing on this project and you can succeed in that, you have the process down and you can put trust in that and not necessarily in the outcomes. Right. Right. I hope that makes some sort of sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally understand, you know, where you're going with that. It, it kind of syncs up with some experiences that I've had, you know, um, and one of the things that I think I had to learn and do some research on is, you know, the different roles and the different titles and what it is that they care about, you know, because I think what they care about is sometimes mysterious, right? And a lot of times we go in and we're talking about products or solutions to a C-level executive and they don't necessarily care about products or solutions. You know, they're, they have their concerns are about something else and what that something else is, is something that you need to know going in. So. And seeking to understand, you know, yeah, you want to understand the people you're talking to really well. Right. And not with a cliched question about what keeps them up at night. Oh, you don't ask that in your meetings? No, I think the one time I asked it, like the person answered, what keeps me up at night is people asking me that question. Not really, but I, that's a snarky response that I expected. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, how about uh, you know, just kind of that contrast? Like you, I remember you talked about the knowledge that you had about the product, like coming in, what you thought you'd need to know, and then keeping keeping up with you know, the, the changing nature of the product line. Now, since you've come in, you know, VMware has actually gone through a whole lot of changes, right? Um, in focus and where, you know, the types of products that are being acquired, the types of products that are being um, developed organically. Um, so what, what has that been like to experience that level of change? It's interesting because you know, you could have product X and it's okay. It's now offered as an on-premise offering and a SaaS offering. Okay. They, they may have the same features, but they may have different licensing and you need to be aware of, of how that works and which one's gonna, they may both solve the customer's problem, but one may fit the way they prefer to operate more so than the other. They don't want to do software upgrades anymore. Okay, maybe SaaS is the right answer here. So each each product is a lot of information to take in. So I, I think it's almost like the spinning plates. You know, you see somebody start spinning the plates, and once they get them all set up, they have to go spin the others. That's mm -hmm. what it feels like sometimes. You You learn the information when you need to go deeper as it comes up sometimes and you try to you try to do your training so that you're educating yourself in each area but it feels like once i get a lot of really interesting deeper information on something i have to go and and study up on something else so it's it's challenging i have to say and i probably have to my own detriment maybe studied up more than I needed to in certain cases. Hmm. That can be difficult to um, kind of figure out the level of depth that you need to have on, on one specific thing, right, when it comes up. Sure. And it's always better to have more knowledge than it is to have not enough. 100%. Yeah, and at, you know, as somebody with a technical background, you don't want to say that you don't know the answer. But it's okay if you don't know the answer; you can go find out. You might have a peer who knows, a specialist who knows, or something. You can just need to go research, and some of that learning comes from customers asking questions that I didn't know the answer to, and so I may it may take me a couple hours to go and, and figure this out, and I get. I won't say lost in a in a hole of reading and watching videos and labbing it up, but you really learn great things that way out of the necessity of needing to answer a question. It also, I feel like, helps you learn the customer's business a little bit more and the types yep. of concerns that they have, right? When it's tough to ask a hard question about a, you know a specific situation without like exposing a little bit of you know the internals of what's going on and the types of problems that are faced you know by the organization so it's kind of a it's a good two-way thing right yep nice um how about that uh 
you know, that kind of naturally leads me to the question about like the philosophy of training. Cause I know that, you know, from my experience, VMware had like a pretty uh, rigorous uh, training routine um, to, you know, ask uh, SEs to stay up to date with technology and what whatnot. How, how have you been able to balance that, you know, internal skills training and external interests? I think that that's an area for improvement for me. Mm-hmm. I know that we still have our week of enablement every quarter where we're supposed to focus on training. But a lot of times what ends up happening to me is I kind of get this, well, I only have three customers. I shouldn't ditch the customer meeting to go and train, but I still have to f- find time to do the training. So it's it's a little bit of a, of a conflict internally. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are different trainings you can take live even throughout the, the quarter. Mm-hmm. Some, some uh, business units have a weekly training where they'll talk about what's new or challenges with this product or something to help you get better. And you can choose to attend that if you have the time. But, I mean, if you have a customer-facing activity, you need to go and, and take care of it. Yeah. So that is I a would, challenge. I would like to spend more time training, but I don't let it take away from having meaningful interaction with my customers. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's a, it's an interesting balance to have to, uh, to keep, isn't it? hundred percent. How about, um, just like that interaction with the larger account team? Um, you mentioned that, and that might be something that people outside of the like solution engineering, sales engineering industry don't really understand. Do you think you can uh, dive into that a little bit more and then explain maybe a little bit on how that relationship has evolved for you? So you're talking about how I interact with the greater account team? Yeah. So think of me as the technical quarterback owning the vision and strategy to help technical vision and strategy as mm-hmm. we go and, and try to help this customer solve their challenges and problems. So I'm working with these other groups and talking to them and pulling them in at the right time. And as I said, and I think it was in the previous episode, the account team or extended team is larger in in this segment. You have more resources at your exposure, at your disposal, excuse me. And so you probably need some kind of synchronization meeting with those different team members to talk to them because we have all these specialists, right? And they want to meet customers and engage them and help customers just like you do. And it's your job to bring them in when the time is right. If it's not the right time, they're not going to appreciate you bringing them in and wasting their time because they support a lot of you. Right. So you you need to try and make the right call, make it valuable for them, and help enable them to, to build relationships with the customers too. And I, I think the strategy that I try to take is, number one, I want to do the right thing for the customer, always. Mm-hmm. I want to be helpful to the customer. I want to be helpful to my internal teammates. And one of the ways that I can be helpful to my teammates is getting them involved to help when it's valuable to them and the customer they're helping and the account team they're helping. Mm 
Right. And I think that probably, as you mentioned, people outside this role may not know how big their account team is for vendor XYZ. Mm-hmm. You know, you get all these resources at your disposal to help support your company. Right. And part of it is, hey, did you know we have people who specialize in X? If that's something you want to look at, based on the problem you just told me about, then we can bring them in. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And uh, I think last week you mentioned uh, something about the 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 office of the chief technology officer, like the uh, ambassador program. Um, how has the business of influence, technology influence, been for you? Um, influencing your customers, having a point of view, even just developing a point of view. Well, I think some of it comes from exploring the technology that that VMware has, mm. using it myself, being able to say, well, I, I did that in the lab, and that was actually very simple. So I've, I've told people about my explorations with Azure Functions and Tanzu Observability and said, you know, I've actually done this. It's not too bad. Check it out and let me know what you think. So I think that when you can show that you're working with the technology, you understand how it helps solve problems and you have a body of work that supports that. It, it gives you some street cred. You're not just throwing marketing fluff. You've actually done it. Yeah. That makes a big difference. Um, just taking and, a step back. Well, hang on. Mm-hmm. One thing I was going to say, the influence can also come from things you've done to push those people forward in their career. Uh, you know, if someone yeah. was just a, a storage technician mm-hmm. and through your engagement with them and other teams at the company, you've helped them kind of move toward a virtualization and storage technician to get to that next level. You've helped them build skills by encouraging them to learn more and maybe even get out there and share what they're doing with the greater community. Yeah, that makes sense. That is a big, uh, um, big, uh, point of influence. That's terrific. Can I ask a little bit, you know, maybe taking a step back? Um, I think one of the things that you were nervous about coming into the role was this, uh, maybe discomfort in the transition into what could be perceived as a sales role as opposed to being a technologist. How has that gone? Well, I think that I try to, I try to operate with integrity in all circumstances. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned, try and do the right thing for the customer. As you put it before, you know, our organization of solution engineering does sit within the greater sales organization, but we are separate for a reason Mm -hmm. to get the technical validation. Does the technology solve the problem that this customer needs solved? Is it going to work for them? Did we get the right version and license based on what they need to do? Mm. So it's 
part of that is kind of a due diligence and stewardship to the customer and the company of making sure we, we got it right, being a truth teller and making sure that this is what we say it is and it's going to do what we said it was going to do. Yeah, that makes sense. I always made the joke uh, to my reps, like sometimes I'm going to tell them to buy less because they need less. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you need that credibility for when you need to tell them that they need to buy more. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's the, oh, did you know that you get that for free? There you go. <laughs> yep. Use it, man. I would. Mm-hmm. Nice. How about um, just a culture check-in? Um, so you mentioned, I think, last week that you've changed teams a couple times, um, organizations, you know, like uh, segments, I think you called it. Um, and then after that, like, I think, I feel like you changed managers at least once, you know, even after that. Um, how's that been for your career and growth, like the collaboration with different people and different points of view and different segments? I always like to learn how people do the job. What do they do different than me? What's going on with their customers? What challenges are they having? What challenges are they having, you know, communicating with our teams internally to help support their customers? And I think you can take kind of an aggregate of those things of what's working for other people and find the bright spots and then give it a shot. Mm. But mm. you adapt it to your own style. And you, you kind of have to find that for yourself. You know, you, you still want to be you, right? You're still John. I'm still Nick. Hopefully people know that when they engage with us, even though we're paid to do a job. Right. Yeah. So I, I think it's definitely helped in terms of building a, a support network of peers who are willing to help. I think that the really the big collaboration kickoffs for the the teams I've been a part of oftentimes are by meeting in person and doing some kind of collaborative sharing session where we talk about how really all the problems we have are quite similar and how much we can help each other getting to know each other as individuals and people who have families and have interests and beliefs and, you know, hopes, dreams, fears. Yeah, absolutely. Like that personal I, connection. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that long ago when a teammate of mine, I was asking him about an idea I had for a VMworld presentation, and I think we got on a Zoom at 1030 at night, and he walked me through and vetted my idea, and he was like, yeah, dude, you should totally do that. Well, guess what? I submitted it, and I got a session at VMworld. Mm -hmm. So kudos to my teammate. You know who you are if you're listening. <laughs> nice how about the different managers that you've had um so you've experienced different management styles from different people in different segments how has that helped you in your career well it's good to be able to see how different leaders think and what they expect what they decide to focus on what they what they feel the challenges are but i think the coaching methodology from them has remained the same so you you have to get used to your new manager's style how they like to communicate and what cuz even though 
you might have these success metrics in the role to some extent. Each manager is probably going to ex- to want things done a certain way, mm-hmm. and it might be different from the previous manager. So, hey, how do you want this done? How should I? When do I loop you in? When do I just not worry about it? Do you want to be involved in customer meetings? Do you not want to be involved in customer meetings? How do you want to? How do you want to do it? So you you grow and you learn to adapt, and it just gives you this exposure to another person that you got to work with and under and see what their leadership philosophy is. And if you were going to eventually be a leader, I think that's a good thing to be exposed to multiple different leaders so that you can develop your own philosophy. Yeah, that makes total sense. Cool. Um, How about just reflecting back um, from the time before you were an SE to now, like, is, is there a skills gap that you can think of from before, from before that, um, you really wish that you had had? I think that I, w- I wish I had been better at being able to communicate how valuable the project I was working on was to the company. I don't, I don't know that I was always able to, to help describe this is going to do X for the company and help us make more money, prevent downtime. Maybe I wasn't as attentive to what the leadership cared about as I wish I could have been. I think that instead of approaching it from, oh, this is really cool tech and we're going to get all kinds of new bells and whistles for people, it's not really what drives the business forward. It was cool for me to implement the new tech, right? But what does it what does it do? What's the outcome for people at different levels and communicating with them a little bit better than oh yeah, I'll fix your problem. Right. Yeah, I know it's very similar to my observation, I think, in that to that same question. But I also think that I wasn't really reading a lot of books outside of work. You know, I had participated in the Spiceworks community, so I was starting to build a network of peers outside my company. Mm-hmm. I think I did a good job there. I haven't done as good of a job of being active in that community since then. I've tried to keep in touch with people as I can, but I've gotten better about connecting with people on Twitter and in the V expert community and LinkedIn and building that network and changing jobs a time or two. It allows you to, to keep reflecting back on the people who have been influential, good friends, good colleagues, and you try to keep in touch with them and you want to make sure that as you said in previous episodes, you're not just contacting them to ask them for something. You're checking in, seeing how they're doing, because mm. you never know when your when your past might cross. But I, I do wish I had read some some additional books when I was in IT. I was just so consumed by all the stuff I needed to do. I didn't I didn't really do Audible at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it might have been so long ago that it wasn't really a thing at the time. Yeah, good point. But I definitely needed a little more on the soft skills. I think that I could have 
maybe spun up my own home lab and gotten a little bit more technically deep in different areas, whether inside of VMware technologies or not. But I just didn't seem like I had the time. Well, that's a time and resources thing, isn't it? Right. To like buy equipment and, you know, have it running. And I mean, that is to have the space to do that and the budget like that. It's, it's such a luxury. Indeed. Maybe that's for young uh, single people. The home lab game. Maybe. It just depends. Depends on the family dynamic, I guess. <laughs> How could you have gotten uh, to VMware faster? Do you have any uh, insight into that? Have you ever done any reflection? So keep in mind, I didn't take the classic IT you know, path, I guess. I sort of fell into it. That is and, the classic IT path. <laughs> well, maybe I just didn't know how much I was going to like it hmm. when I first got into it. I really loved the dynamic challenge. And I I think for me, I didn't realize all the different career options that were available on the table to where I could go from help desk to sysadmin and beyond what all those were, whether it's working at a vendor or, or somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I remember talking with sales engineers and stuff like that. What is that? What, what does that mean? You know, why is that a thing? Yeah. So, just, just even understanding that the role exists is probably yeah. part of like getting there faster. Right. What is it that you do? <laughs> you know, cause you would, I was over, all kinds of different things, vendor management at one of my roles. And you'd have an account rep that you work with. And a lot of times they'd bring their sales engineer, right? Mm -hmm. And that person would answer all the technical questions that you had. And, and I just, okay, they're an engineer, but I didn't really think about how much they support that salesperson. Right. Right. It's almost like you just assume that they tapped like a technical person to, to ride along that day. Mm-hmm. Right. As opposed to having it be a dedicated role. Right. And I, I think the the folks that I had made connections with outside of where I worked in the greater community kind of did the same job as me to, to a certain extent, mm -hmm. even if it was at a different company. So I, I don't know that I had the exposure from a people I had met standpoint to these other roles that were out there. So maybe something that could have been done earlier would have been like just thinking and exploring and asking people like what the the career path possibilities were. Like that's yeah. something that I think it's very, very easy to not do, <laughs> to, to miss out on, right? Yeah, I was, I got so focused on what I needed to do and so busy Mm -hmm. I didn't take time to think about, okay, is this really what I want to be doing? Yeah. yeah. And maybe at some point the answer was actually not, that's not it anymore, you mm -hmm. know? So how about people out there that are thinking about um, a sales engineering career? Uh, do you have any advice for them? Any recommendations on concrete steps that they could take? Sure. I would say talk to people who do it at different companies 
mm-hmm. see what it's like because I think it means different things at different companies. I think at some companies there might be pre-sales and post-sales components to that. There might be hands-on keyboard or not hands-on keyboard components there. So just make sure you understand the full scope of what it is at different companies. Make sure that you're comfortable with whatever technical level you're going to be expected to perform at. And make sure that you really believe in the products that this vendor or reseller is is using. Because if you don't, it's probably not going to be a great experience. And I would say make sure that you like working with people. You know, if you're working a help desk today and you can't stand it when someone submits a ticket for something you think they should already know the answer to, probably wouldn't encourage you to do something else that's heavy related to servicing customers. Yeah, I can understand what you're saying. Like it's the, uh, if, if what you're saying is like, you just don't like human interaction, right? right? Uh, that, you know, sales engineering is a job that's heavy, heavy on human interaction and the the subtle parts of human interaction as well, as well as the technology. Yep. Yeah. Well, I also take this opportunity to plug the Nick Cordy school of mentoring. So if you're looking for um, somebody to kind of walk you through that process of wherever it is that you are now and thinking about, you know, um, exploring the possibility of becoming uh, a, a sales engineer, um, you know, at whatever company that might be, go ahead and, and reach out to Nick Cordy um, on LinkedIn. He has his uh, DMs open and he uh, will walk you through that process. And uh, I will handle the billing on the back end. Uh, you will get a separate soft bill later on yeah how soft what's the hourly rate on that um listen you don't need to worry about the business side um i'll I'll handle all that nice appreciate that you'll just venmo me later yeah 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 okay i I totally trust you can you venmo nickels i don't i don't actually know how that works but um i was thinking dimes but all right uh, all right all right yeah one other thing I would say, if you do want to talk about what the life of an SE is, which I still think is hard to describe, mm-hmm. no one can be told what the matrix is. I firmly believe that is what it's like telling someone what an SE does. It's almost like becoming a parent or getting married. I can tell you what it's like all day, but until you've done it, you you may not get the full picture. Yeah, that is a really good observation, yeah. And I would just say for anybody out there, regardless of what you do and whether you like it or not, try and take some time and just step out of the day to day and think about, okay, what are the things I've done last month, last week, mm-hmm. last year? Do I, do I really like doing this? Do I like the people I work with? Do I like the company I work for and believe in the, the values that that company promotes and the way they treat their people is, is it time to, to start looking around? Right. I don't know. What's the company's mission statement? Oh, they don't have one. Hmm. That might be a problem. Maybe so. I remember something that Amanda Blevins said when like I asked her 
a question at uh, VMworld about, um, you know, identifying a time that it might be time to move on or like whether or not you have a healthy organization to work for. And she said, is there a written job description for your role? Like that, that's pretty important. And I went, oh, wow. Yeah. That's a yep. really, really good point. <laughs> and it's all these things that we probably as IT professionals just don't, just hadn't thought about. Right. For whatever reason. And I mean, I fell victim to the same thing, John. I just didn't really think about long-term career, career advancement, because if you're in a small company, you know, there may not be a senior position that you can take there. Right. Right. That's not a bad thing. That might just be the way it is. Yeah, it might be fine and it work, might work out great for that company and it might even work out great for you at that company um, for now. And it might not work out great over the medium term, right? Um, you might need more than that eventually. So, you know, it's a, now is a good time to start thinking, right? Yeah. I I don't know why this popped into my head, but it's like, like the, this is probably apocryphal, right? But it's like um, the... A proverb that says go. the best time to plant a tree is 15 years ago. And the second best time to plant the tree is today. Well, I would add it's not too late to start. Never too late. All right. Um, thanks a lot for answering my questions. That's uh, It's been really informative for me. And all kidding aside, for anybody out there who is thinking about making the move to work for a vendor, maybe in tech marketing or sales engineering, I'm sure that uh, Nick or I would both be willing to uh, chat with you. Um, and you can feel free to message both of us on LinkedIn. And uh, don't worry, you won't get an invoice. You will if you message John, because the John White School of Mentoring is a paid service. Curses. All right. Anything else before we get out of here? Besides pricing and packaging to come, no. <laughs> Just a reminder again that we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White, at V Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore, signing off. Adios. I totally almost started saying your part.